Hey, CT family, welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm Brian Hackney, the director of the Healing Place. And whether you heard about us on the weekend services or someone shared this episode, we're glad you're here. Welcome home. Welcome back to the Healing Place podcast. I'm with my team, Glenna, Ross, and Spoonie. How hey, y'all doing? Doing on. good. Doing good. Good. Glad good. To be here. Y'all ready to talk about a little yada, yada, yada? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So first, who's it going to be, Chiefs or Tampa Bay? Uh, I got to roll with my man, Tom Brady. Got to roll with him. Tom Brady, so the GOAT. Okay. Texas I'd... native, Pat Mahomes. Come on. Okay. Okay. So we got one for Can't Tampa Bay, one for Chiefs. Glenna, who do you think is going to win? Tell the me. Chiefs or <laughs> the Chief. I'm Tampa gonna go Bay? With Chiefs. My mom's from Kansas City. I have Chiefs. To go with Chiefs. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was telling them this morning. I'd love. <laughs> I would love to see Tom Brady, 43 year old. You know, do it. But if you put a gun to my head, in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking the Chiefs will do it. So we'll see. We'll go see. Chiefs. Hey, and before yeah, go Chiefs. So <laughs> so before we go too much further, too, we got a little birthday boy in the house. Hey. Happy oh, birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Come on. Happy birthday, dear Spoonie. Happy birthday to you. Thank y'all. Thank <laughs> y'all. I feel really special. I, was well, I was hoping Glenn would carry the soprano so I could go to bass. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, have oh, you ever heard goodness. me sing, Brian? Happy birthday, my man. Man, thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah, happy birthday, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank so, you. hey, I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys last night on the Facebook Live. Uh, awesome. Last night was on depression. You know, we've done one on the thorn, on anxiety. Last night was depression. And I think it was our best one so far. Wow. So, you know, we always mention on the lives, we mention this podcast. So I thought we'd mention the lives on the podcast. There we so, go. wait, did I just say that? You did. You did. You did. So I, we, we wanted to mention the live on the podcast today because we always mention the podcast on the live. There you go. Exactly. Did I get that right? That's, 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 it. that's it. You got it. Cool. What okay. you said. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> this is my second one of these today. Come on. So, yeah, we've had a lot of traction on those Facebook lives. And so okay. I just want to, you know, cross-reference both of these deals because people are really enjoying this content. And the one last night on depression I thought was really, really good. Mm. Yes. Um, so we're, that's the old series. We're starting this Yada series. So first, does anyone actually know how to pronounce Y-A-D-A? Is it Yada? Yada. It's Yada. 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 Okay, Yada, mm -hmm. which is Hebrew for what, Ross? To know or knowing. Knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, in... In an intimate way, knowing someone intimately. In an intimate way. Okay, mm -hmm. so, and we say a lot, to be fully known mm -hmm. and fully loved. And I, mm -hmm. I think about with intimacy, um, it's not just fully known and fully loved, but maybe it's fully known and to fully know mm -hmm. those people that we're in relationship Absolutely. with yeah. or, or the God that we're in relationship with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think at our core, all of us want to be fully known and fully loved. That's the greatest desire. If we're fully, if we're not fully loved, obviously we're abandoned or we're rejected. Mm -hmm. But if we're fully loved but not fully known, we feel like a fraud. Mm. Yes. You know, if if they really got to know me, they wouldn't love me. And yeah. so, to be fully known and fully loved, um, that requires great risk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Ross, why is that so risky to be fully known in a relationship? Yeah, because I think 
exactly what you said about rejection because we we when we put ourselves out there i mean i think it's you risk rejection but you also uh, have the opportunity for the reward of intimacy of knowing um, of being known and knowing someone and so you know it's it's being naked and we're gonna you know kind of get into sex as well and so it's but it's also being naked emotionally and being completely open and you can be rejected you can be um, you can put yourself out there and be shut down and I'm sure we're gonna get into a lot of turning towards ter- versus turning away and <laughs> what that means um, but whenever we put ourselves out there and we've all been on both sides of that equation both sides of that coin right we've been we put ourselves out there and it's been received and it's been affirmed and we've grown in that relationship whether that's with god or with a significant other or friendship but we've also been on that side of the of the fence where we've been we've put ourselves out there and it hasn't been received or for some reason we've perceived that the other person isn't accepting what we put out there and that causes hurt in us causes us to put a wall up and our relationships in the future can be affected by that yeah yeah, yeah. something that we shared in a vulnerable moment can be weaponized against us mm. in a future conversation, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so we clam up. Yes, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. So you brought up sex. So many people, <laughs> you, you use the word, you know, intimacy, and so many people in our culture think sex immediately. Yeah. Yep. But isn't it a mistake <clears throat> to confuse intimacy, in especially in marriage, mm-hmm. with sex? Mm-hmm. I mean... Glenna, isn't it possible that we can have tons of sex and have literally zero intimacy? Is that possible? Absolutely. Because we have this deep desire to be connected with people and to have this intimacy with them. And I think oftentimes we can substitute the physical connection for that deep longing and desire that we all have. And so that intimacy is built on trust and knowing each other and the vulnerability with each other and then also commitment, Mm -hmm. right? And so that takes a lot of hard work, but I think sometimes we settle for the physical connection. I mean, there are a ton of chemicals that are released, right? And so we settle for that, but then when that relationship ends, because there's not the trust and the intimacy and the commitment, then we're kind of left hollow, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. Exactly. I've heard someone refer to that as you said. I think you said substitute, and and I've heard mm-hmm. it called counterfeit. Yeah. It's like it can be obviously a form of intimacy, but it can definitely be a substitute or counterfeit for true intimacy right. when you're not being fully known and fully loved. Mm-hmm. When you're just doing the physical, chemical, you know, release. Um, so you guys have all been married real quick. So 31 years, Spoonie, how many years? 27. 27. 27. Oh man. Uh, eight, <laughs> seven, eight, something like that. Okay. Yep. Eight, seven or eight. Okay. And okay. then Glenna? 36. So the other day somebody asked that of us yeah. and I looked at my husband like, how many years have we been married? <laughs> okay. And, so. and he looked at me and did the, you, you know, the answer to like, that. Come on, come on, Glenna. <laughs> so, so how many years of of your 36, of mm-hmm. your seven or eight, and of your 26, how many years would you say you felt truly intimate with your spouse? The, the entire marriage or just recently or <laughs> half the time? What would you say? 
Okay, so Kirk and I started dating when I was almost 16. Okay. So we've actually been together for 42 years. Um, and so good for y'all. I mean, literally, awesome. that's think about how rare that is in our culture. Yeah, yes. right. Like we grew yeah. up together, but one of the things that I loved most about Kirk is like he would always say, "Like, talk to me." He always wanted to hear more about whatever was going on with me. He wanted to know me, mm-hmm. and. I've cherished that because he's carried it through our whole relationship is he always makes time to talk. Yeah. To get to know yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, you, Ross? I mean, Glennie, it's funny that you say that because me and my wife, Michelle, we've been together since I was 16. She was 14. Mm-hmm. And so we've been together 14, 15 years now as well. So that's Man, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Ross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Wow. So I think uh, definitely not the whole time have we felt, you know, intimately close with one another. I I don't know how to put a percentage on that number, but uh, but I but I do think that uh, part of a I don't know probably a, a misunderstanding or uh, a, an expectation that I experience with a lot of young couples that I probably had as well coming into our marriage was that we would feel intimately close all the time. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's seasons where you feel close and there's seasons where you feel distant. And, um, and sometimes that's because of outside stress. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's because of inside work that we need to do with one another. And, um, you know, and a lot of, I feel like a lot of young couples will come to me, you know, we do a lot of premarital counseling and there's some young, um, you know, uh, couples who come in with really good intentions and they're talking about how little they fight or how small their conflicts are. And I've learned in my relationship that, um, the frequency of conflict isn't necessarily a marker of health in our relationship. It can be a sign that something's going on, but what's more important is uh, is the resolution process, mm-hmm. how quickly it takes us mm-hmm. to get to a place where we can let go of our pride, let go of um, our side of the our side of the table and, and try to come back close together again. And um, you know, and there's a lot of times when we get done with a conflict, and where I feel closer to my mm-hmm. wife than I felt mm-hmm. before that conflict. And I think it is because we know each other better, right? right. Yada, like we are able to grow in knowing one another. So so often we avoid conflict, and I'm not saying we should try and go after conflict, but mm-hmm. we can, uh, you know, be curious about it, investigate it, and and figure out how we can begin to know and be known in the midst of that. Yeah. I love it's that. funny when you said, not that we need to go after conflict. I'm like, there's something wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Jamie and I are actually going to be recording some content for, for a marriage discussion for our digital discipleship stuff. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how, you know, an Enneagram 8 is so much different than a 2. You know, if there's not mm-hmm. a conflict, I'll create one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so Spoonie, how about you and Denisa? Um, I believe this the last... 13, 15 years. Okay. Um, of the 26. Yes. Half. I, I believe that, like, it's always there because, you know, we moved from California mm-hmm. about 13 years ago. And so um, I come from a very dynamic family, and she has a large family as well, but on both sides. So 
when we were living there, you know, you can just, you're just with your family and, you know, it's like no matter what you go through, what happens and all the good times, the bad, they're there. And so, you you know, you're together. But to me, I believe it's not until you really get to know each other when you, when no one's around. When we moved to yeah. Texas, we didn't really know anyone. And so it was in that moment that we start finding out that, hey, look here, one time, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but. I remember we had gotten to one of those, you know, one of those arguments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was really, you know, like she started uh, kind of packing some stuff. Okay. And I said, hey, hey, what are you packing stuff? So I went and grabbed mine and started packing. <laughs> oh, I'm going to show you. She said, she said, what are you doing? If I, I said, leave first. I said, I'm going with you. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was in that moment we started laughing and we realized that, like, wow, I really don't want to do this yeah. without you. I don't yeah. want to do this life without you. So I believe it's always in that moment, that turbulent moment that, you know, you don't have to have the conflict. And right. You already know that in the happy times you love and it's it's marital. It's just bliss. It's paradise. Yeah. But I believe it's just when you get to that moment, it's like, mm -hmm. you know what? Yeah. No, no one else is for me, and so yeah, I just believe that it was about, about thirteen fifty because all we all you have is each other. Sure, you yeah. know when you realize that it's just, mm -hmm. I, I believe you get to have that yada that no, I really know you, you know me, and yeah, so it's definitely it's what I'm here. It's definitely a process, and it doesn't happen immediately, yeah. and it doesn't happen naturally without a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. I I always say I've said this a lot. Out of our 31 years, I feel like in year 17 of those 31, something dramatically changed. Yeah. And I believe that's where our intimacy really, <laughs> really grew. Um, and so for, you know, for a little, uh, around half of, of the marriage. So right. you talked about being with young couples. Yeah. The truth is, I had no idea who I was marrying. Mm -hmm. Right. Like none of yeah. us do. Mm-hmm. Like I think about that girl, and and look, we we dated, we were engaged, we mm -hmm. had you know sh uh, all these long talks where it was like soulmates, you know, long conversations over the phone or in person, but like the girl I married hadn't had kids yet, mm -hmm. right? The girl I met hadn't lost a child, yeah. So it's a moving target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're having to relearn who that person is, yes, and you're having to rechoose. To love that new person, yeah. yeah, because life is changing us. We're evolving, and so it's tough. It is a, it, it truly is a moving target, and mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. And and I think about all the stuff that I never had come clean with in those early years. Mm -hmm. So I'd start a fight about this, but it was really about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. wasn't until, and it's it's great how Jamie just kept going for that thing. She knew it couldn't <laughs> be about this. Like right. what? This is right. crazy. You can't be mad about this. But it was about, you know, it was about something else. And mm -hmm. until I came clean with the stuff that was really bugging me, the yeah. baggage that I'd brought in, mm -hmm. she didn't know me. Right. You know? Yeah. She had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so it's about running the risk of talking about our deepest, darkest wounds. You know, mm -hmm. some things that were traumatic or embarrassing, uh, things that we think if we tell our spouse, they'll think we're weak. Yeah. Right. Yep. But man, they don't know who we are. We don't know right. who they are. And so, yeah. Well, and I think too that sometimes we don't know who we are either, you know? Right. And so if we want to talk about yes. intimacy in all of our relationships, you know, I think about, 
you know, the, the commandment, the great commandment where God, where Jesus says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and love others as yourself. And that that's a kind of like a, a three way deal, right? Like right. you're supposed to love God, love others and love yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about God being in us, that he's making our home in us. Like we talked about abiding. And, uh, sometimes, uh, I think something that holds back, holds us back in our intimacy in our marriage is that we're not being honest with ourselves about what we're dealing with yes. and what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was meaning more about how sometimes there can be a lack of intimacy because we have to do work inside of ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and that isn't a microwave process that does take time to know ourselves and then to be able to, once we find that awareness to communicate that, because that's a vulnerable process in itself to admit things about who we are and what (laughs) we're dealing with and our demons and our ghosts that haunt us. Right. Um, and then to, to open up to that purse, to our, our, our partner or our friend or to God about those things is a vulnerable moment too. Uh, so I think that's that's an important piece that often doesn't get brought into the conversation about intimacy. Well, and I love what you said about with conflict. I always find that conflict is the opportunity to like have a conversation about the things that are deeper, yeah. to have a conversation about those things in your heart and what's the story behind the conflict, what's the dream behind mm-hmm. the conflict. Um, mm-hmm. And when you, when I pause to hear that in Kirk and look past maybe agitation mm-hmm. or another emotion that's presenting itself and I say, wait, stop, like I'm noticing something in you and asking and making room to get to know him, but also the times that I'm feeling that uh, mm-hmm. inside of me and mm-hmm. being able to say, hold on a second, I think there's something deeper we need to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. being vulnerable and being able to be seen and and what you said to be able to trust that person with your heart. It's mm-hmm. So I see conflict as an opportunity of like, it could be contention, mm-hmm. but I love to see it as an opportunity for connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Good. Yeah, you're... You, we, uh, what you said, Ross, reminded me of a quote <clears throat> that Stanley Harwas says in his book, Resident Aliens. I, I, I heard about it in Timothy Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. It's a great book on intimacy, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Stanley Harwas's quote, he said, marriage reveals traits in you that were there all along, but were hidden from everyone, including you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm. Wow. Great I mean, quote. it's going to bring, yeah, great yeah. Quote. I think about <clears throat> a couple I worked with. Um, that for literally this man's, um, he was into his mid fifties and for their entire marriage, he had a narrative. He had told himself about a story that happened while he was growing up and uh, that, that, and, and the, the anger and the not feeling enough, um, uh, that was being played out in their marriage, right. That made him act out in a lot of different ways. And they're, they were on the brink of, of divorce Mm -hmm. And they started coming in, and he was relaying this story that he had literally told himself that he was on the roof of their house with his brother helping their father with a chimney, Mm -hmm. right? And that they were horse playing, and he fell off the roof. And that was what he had told himself. And he told it so much that he actually had believed it. But but this was this lie, and he had this shame-based identity that was playing itself out with not feeling worthy enough, looking for affirmation and validation mm-hmm. outside of his marriage, right? And and with being very angry. Well, as we unpacked and he got very vulnerable, you want to talk about being fully known, 
he finally came to the truth with me and with his wife that he wasn't horse playing and fell off the roof. His alcoholic father threw him off that roof. Mm. And so he carried that shame with him. And um, to finally come out with that and the love that he received from me and from obviously his spouse, it dramatically changed his life. Mm. Now, he has to continue to live in that and stay in that free, open right. place. If he, if he goes back to that you know, old identity, he'll be literally that little kid who feels like he's not good enough, you know, yeah. because his father told him in yeah. so many ways that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so shifting gears a little bit, how, speaking of counterfeit, <laughs> how is social media helping or hurting intimacy and relationships? I believe is it still has to do with the person, but I think social social media is just it's making it really difficult because there's a lot of people that just I mean it's helping in one way, but then another way it's just you can gravitate to something and you can just show people what you want them to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when people see what what you want them to see, and the more you continue to do that in your mind, in your heart, how much are you keeping from them? And so it was funny how you said um, when you start unpacking with this, young, with this gentleman and how he started being able to come out. Mm-hmm. When you get together and when you become and decide to, to come together in a, in a union or to date, mm-hmm. you both come to the situation with, a, with baggage. The question is, who's going to do the unpacking? Mm-hmm. Will it be you or will it be the, the, your, your, your spouse or your friend, whoever? So I believe in social media, what ends up happening is we just see and you're scrolling. <laughs> I hear a lot of guys that I talk to who are single and yeah. they're, they're scrolling. Mm-hmm. And um, aside from this, I have the opportunity to, I'm a barber as well. So mm-hmm. I get to hear a lot of conversations. Oh, yes. <laughs> Counselor. And <laughs> I have chair. a few clients that, you know, aren't married and they're out there looking and I've been cutting their hair about five years, Ross. And when they get, and they sit down to get a haircut, uh, guess what? They were scrolling five years ago. They still scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because when they get to the unpacking part, mm-hmm. the social media part is, Ooh, Ooh, wait, stop right there. That's yeah. looks exactly what I think I want to, yeah. you know, so I think it, it has its pros and cons. Sure. Well, is a friend on Facebook, are they a friend? You know, yeah, it, does absolutely. a follow and a like translate in, into any intimacy at all? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you, but, but we're all on it, right? We're addicted. We're all on it. So yeah. is social media, what do y'all think? Helping intimacy, hurting it? Uh, uh, yes or, and no. Yes and no. Yeah. So like, I appreciate what he had to say, but I also think about Another aspect of how social media is um, disrupting our intimacy. I saw a commercial last night. It was called like uh, a device-free dinner. And it's a commercial. Those little boys like talking to his mom and dad, trying to engage them in like his field trip and the things at school. And the mom's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he says something about, and we're taking a a field trip to Mars. And the dad's like scrolling and he's like, "Um, okay, well, let us know if they need any sponsors. Like totally not engaging Mm -hmm. with the kid. And the kid's sitting there, like the camera zooms in on him and he's like, (laughs) like he's so aware that his parents are not connecting with him and missing that opportunity. And so sometimes 
I'm guilty of that. I'm on my phone <laughs> instead of engaging in a conversation with my husband or my, my kids when they're over. And so it is disrupting mm-hmm. the intimacy that we feel. Like I know sometimes like I'll look at my phone first thing when I wake up and I'm like, what did I do before that? I used to roll over and say, hey, good morning, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's disrupting intimacy in that aspect. And then where I feel like there is some intimacy with social media is that I get to see and connect with people who, like, I love, like, when people are going through a hard time and they're asking for prayer or support or encouragement. I love that opportunity of yeah. it. And when I engage with it, of whether it's prayer or reaching out or sending a card or something, that's taking advantage of it. But then when I'm just kind of being a voyeur into their life, that does not feel like intimacy. That doesn't feel like truly knowing somebody. Yeah. It's like yeah. looking at somebody. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, let's get super practical for a, a few minutes. What are some things that you, we deal with couples all the time coming in with conflict and, and communication issues, basically lack of intimacy issues, right? Um what are some barriers, some common barriers you see with the couples you work with, uh, whether marriage or just relationships, barriers to intimacy, and then what are some things you guys would recommend to increase intimacy in marriage and other relationships? I mean, I think uh, really practical, something that a lot of people would probably say that they practice and don't do a good job at practicing, and probably in my relationship as well that is hard sometimes is uh, not being willing to listen to your partner, hearing your partner, but not listening, you know, listening to respond instead of listening to understand. Uh, I was listening to a conversation um, uh, from a couple who were talking about an issue that they were going through. And it was like, all they could do was just rehash from their perspective over and over. And they couldn't they, they, they weren't able to let their guard down, to let their vulnerability, their emotion, their side down enough to consider the other person's perspective and to listen to the other person's perspective. And when people are, are gridlocked, I feel like that's, that's, the, that's the starting place. That's the very surface level place we have to start in order to get to, um, when I, in order to get to truly what's going on. So I think that's something that I see very regularly. And so a, a practice, like a simple practice is just active listening, right? Is just taking time to sit and not, and do your best to shut off your need to respond. And how you do that is by trying to summarize what your partner is saying. Mm-hmm. So if, if, you know, I'm talking to Spoonie and Spoonie's like, Ross, man, you just really hurt me. And I'm, <laughs> And I'm disappointed in what you did and da, 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 da. My response is, no, that's not who I am. I wouldn't have ever done that to you. But if I can say, so what I'm hearing you saying is that you feel like I I really hurt you and that I disappointed you. Just offering that understanding can help drop our guards and get to the place where we can be more open with one another. So I think that's a really practical thing that a lot mm-hmm. of us know about, but don't implement in our relationships. So good. Man. That's great. That's so active you, listening. Yeah. Yes. So active <laughs> listening. And so like a barrier is being defensive, mm-hmm. right? As you gave mm-hmm. that example of being yeah. defensive and yes. then taking ownership. Yes. Yes. I think taking responsibility and ownership instead of being defensive 
um, gives opportunity to say like, oh yeah, like, let me take responsibility for that. Cause if I'm going to take responsibility, then you're more apt to say, okay, they heard me mm-hmm. yeah. and, and just go ahead and like have an opportunity for connection again. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something that I think is helpful too is appreciation. Cause mm-hmm. like, I don't know if y'all are like me, but sometimes when my spouse or somebody does something, I'm like, oh, and I have like a negative thought mm-hmm. about them and I entertain that negative thought and it kind of clouds my lens. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a false belief, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to counteract that or a solution would be like, how do I cultivate appreciation? How do I cultivate admiration mm-hmm. for that person? And so something that I've had to cultivate in my own marriage is looking for the things that I love, the things that I appreciate, noticing when, um, like when Kirk unloads the dishwasher, like that does make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Like, (laughs) thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. Or even given an adjective saying like, that's initiative. And like, I appreciate your initiative with this. I didn't even have to ask for help. You just saw that and being able to recognize those things that feel good. Um, and then offering it to that person, it changes my perspective to be more positive and looking for that good. And I know at one point in our marriage, like I was like asking God for a word every single day, Mm. like, God, give me a word, give me a lens to see my spouse through your eyes. And then speaking that over him, not just knowing it, but speaking it over him. Um, it's kind of amazing because I've found like as I speak truth, like it awakens within him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you for noticing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for appreciating yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking that life over That's so him good. and also our kids. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Ross, you we talked about it earlier, but that that you um, one huge barrier to intimacy I see all the time is that um, someone has opened up and been vulnerable in the past. And then the spouse used that against them. Mm, yeah. It's like, well, I ain't doing that again. Yeah. It's like, and so you're not a safe place. Mm-hmm. Your spouse has to be a safe place for you to share yes. anything or, or you won't do it. Right. And, and one of the, again, a huge barrier that I see is resentment mm-hmm. from past hurts and unforgiveness. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. They've held on to this thing. Yes. You, you know, you didn't show up to my birthday party back right. 20 years ago. <laughs> you, you were out hunting, you know, and, and literally, yeah. uh, you know, uh, they've held on to that resentment. So you're not going to be intimate. You're not going to be close. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cannot overemphasize how many times I see, and here we are in this you know, Christian environment, but forgiveness is mm-hmm. hard to do, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so um, I heard Gary Smalley, who did the love language, I heard his son Greg Smalley talk about Oneness, which we can come back to maybe in another episode, because we're we're probably getting short on time here. But um, he talked about your heart is either open towards your spouse or it's closed. Mm-hmm. If it's half o- half open, it's closed. closed. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> it's either open or it's closed. And you know what? Guess what? When you resent your spouse and there's unforgiveness, your heart's closed towards them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be vulnerable. You're not going to be open. You're not going to see them for who they are. And so one of the things I highly recommend is to sit down and, and run the risk of mm-hmm. saying, hey, here's how you, here's how you hurt me. Yeah. And, I, and, and for the spouse, like you said, not defensive, just listen. Mm-hmm. You could go, well, tit for tat, well, you did this. Mm-hmm. No, don't do that. Say, you know what? Just be honest. I own that. You're right. I did that. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And ask for forgiveness. 
that will go a long way towards uh, rebuilding intimacy that's mm-hmm. been that's been blocked or broken. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Good. So, man, um, I'm looking at our time, but we're going to just keep rolling because I want to get a couple more things. So, have you ever had a difficult relationship that then created issues with your intimacy with God? Okay, so how do our earthly relationships affect our intimacy with God? And then how does our intimacy with God affect our relationships with our friends or our spouse? I believe that, you know, when you're out of alignment with God, because a lot of people don't really realize that God is huge on connection and love. We know he is love. The Bible says he is love. And so I believe that sometimes it happens um, on a, you know, you're not aware of it. And so your, your relationships can start, you know, getting a little funny there. And you start, you know, if it really means something to you, well, Lord, why is, and Brian said hi to me yesterday, but he's looking at me crazy today, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. it's, uh, and so isn't it funny uh, when Ross just mentioned that, about what Spoonie said, you know, you you offended me or whatever. The moment you hear that, you start going back in your mind, <laughs> well, what happened yesterday? What happened last week? You know, you start kind of checking. You busted him. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, but the, the, the deal is, is I believe that um, I am a huge connector. I mm-hmm. love to connect mm-hmm. no matter what. Uh, I look for connection. And so I believe that that's what God wants to do. And that's what Jesus did, mm-hmm. you know, when he died on Calvary for us. And, and you know, just I, so I believe that it can really um, play a huge part in your relationship with people if you are 100 percent unaware. But if and I believe God will show you through that friendship, through that connection where you can get better. Yeah, You know, so so if you're unaware, I've had it in times just down through the years of my life where I was unaware that I was totally being a certain way mm-hmm. and I thought it was okay in this friendship, you know. Um, and they said something and it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So I just believe that, you know, God used them to make me aware, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I, had, I, I think it works both ways. I had a counselor once share with me. He had a, it was a, a cool little like chart and graph about here is the relationship with your earthly father, your biological father, and then the resulting concept of mm. your, of God. And so if you had this abusive, angry, mean, distant, aloof, not present earthly father, sometimes you think God must be aloof. He must be mm-hmm. non mm-hmm. non existent. He wow. must be not present. He's mean. Um, he's angry, mm-hmm. right? That's so. That's very interesting. I think a lot of times our relationships here can affect our relationship with God and yes. our intimacy with Him. Absolutely. So you saying that reminds me of um, when I was reading Scripture and it said, "God is kind." You, I'm asking you to do this because I'm kind. I loved you when you were my enemy and my brain got stuck on God is kind. And I've thought of him as loving, right. Mm -hmm. And, but he's kind. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about relationship with fathers and stuff. Like my dad was loving 
And mm. so, but as a kid, like, are they kind? You know, mm. you get in trouble, you get a spanking. Like, <laughs> there's like, yeah. there's some boundaries there, right? Because they love you enough to, to want to discipline you. But I didn't equate kindness with that. And so I had always kind of put in my mind about how, um, I guess, limited God in his kindness. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. And so Mm -hmm. like being able to receive his kindness and see him as kind God and not, I mean, I know he disciplines us, but seeing the kindness in him really transformed my relationship with him, and I think in turn affects my other relationships. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's end with this today. So, if you look at the the garden story, Adam and Eve, you can everything that went down in that story. You can see that God desires an intimate relationship with us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're the ones who mm-hmm. hid. Mm-hmm. God said, "No, I'm about sewing coverings for you. So, mm-hmm. so for you, not for me. So you can be in relationship with me." So, in John 17. Jesus, right before he's arrested, right? He's praying, and he Mm -hmm. says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So he prayed that his his disciples would know God, Mm -hmm. the one true God. So what did he mean, and how do we do that? How do we get to know God? Yeah. Mm. I love that scripture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, eternal eternal life life, is knowing God. And I love where he says, my prayer is not just for my disciples, it's for the people who will believe in the future, Mm -hmm. that they will know the oneness that I've experienced with you, God, and that you experienced with me. I want them to know that oneness. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the vine and branches, you know, Josiah did on Sunday. So so how how do we get to know God better? Let's just end with some very practical things that that has worked for you guys to grow in intimacy towards God. Obviously, God knows us, right? (laughs) Intimately. How do we get to know God? I simply ask Him every day. Mm -hmm. I just talk to Him in the the way I, like I talk to you. Mm -hmm. And it took me some time because I was raised, uh, you know, you come before God in reverence and <laughs> and 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 you and you should, but I just got to a point to where I just talked to Him and asked Him, God, I want to know You, show me Your heart. Okay, and so I began to just kind of look at how He connected even with the disciples, mm-hmm. and so I just I just asked, man, every day, like that's Good. a practical way. Well, I hear you a know? conversation. You can't get to know someone you're not talking to. Absolutely. So start there. Absolutely. Anything? Yeah. Well, same thing. It was through my asking that God took me to that scripture about I'm kind mm-hmm. and looking for the answer in yes. his word and and truly knowing like what is his nature, what is his character, mm-hmm. um, and how does that line up? So spending time in his word, spending yes. time in prayer. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was actually going through two of the hardest seasons in my entire life, in my marriage and after losing Corbin, that my intimacy with God truly grew. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back and talk about all of our mm-hmm. journeys yes. in, a, in a future episode mm-hmm. um, so we can talk about literally how it's a process and it's a journey, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's the it's the marathon, not the sprint. Yeah. Yes, so That's good. Any, any ending words there, Ross? Are you good? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would, I just think you get to know you get to know someone by by what they say, and we have the the account of what Jesus said in, in mm-hmm. Scripture, and um, so more so than the Bible being a book of rules and uh, a way to you know a life to follow. It's more about 
who God is Mm -hmm. and who that God can be for you. And so often I think we've seen scripture as something that you need to do uh, to be right with God. And in reality, scripture is an opportunity to see God and to know God and to, um, yeah, to get to know who he is. Mm -hmm. And so it's a get to rather than a have to. Uh, And it's not like if you don't read scripture, you're going to hell. It's more so when you do read scripture, you get to learn who God is and you get to become not only um, more aware of God in your life, but uh, of God in the life around you. And uh, so I don't know. I think, I think that that is how I see getting to know God more in my life. Awesome. So good. Well, guys, thank awesome. you all for sharing. This is so good, and I look forward to more. Uh, I can't wait to hear Ross and Spoonie in week two talking more about intimacy and re- relationships and sex and talking to <laughs> younger, the younger crowd, mm. maybe a little Enneagram and love language mm, stuff, mm. as well as how to talk to kids about sex mm. and intimacy, because mm-hmm. I know that's a hard thing to do, but we want to mm-hmm. do it here and in the church before they hear it in the locker room, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. All right. You guys, thank y'all. Be well.